Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. That's really the only thing that's left for you as a believer is for you to renew your mind, right? Because that is the path of transformation. He's given you his righteousness. He's given you his holiness. You're accepted in him because of his once and for all sacrifice. Now, you just need to think that way. You know, it's no coincidence that when Jesus showed up, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does repent mean? Change your mind. Change the way you think. I mean, it's pretty interesting. You know, I hear, in my mind, I hear him saying, all right, boys, you have to change the way that you think because the kingdom is here. No longer behind a veil, no longer off in the distance, cut off from it. It's here. Now, you're going to have to change the way you think, specifically about who you think you are. And it's just so much about what we talk about in here is putting on the identity of Christ, putting on your true identity, putting on who you really are, which is created after the likeness and the image of God, truly righteous and holy. Amen? Will you open that for me, sir? So today, I want to continue in this, um, thank you, you're so cute. (laughs) She's got red and black on for the dogs. Go dogs. We met at the University of Georgia, so we actually have right, the right to cheer for them. Some people say, I didn't know you were even a Georgia fan until they started winning. I'm like, Herschel Walker, my dog. Who goes back to Herschel Walker? All right, here we go. Preach. So this, this series, this series, this is number two in the series, and I'm calling it Move Forward. And I love to always start the new year with just that, that idea and that concept in mind. Toward the end of this series, actually on the 28th, we're going to have Chris and Shay share their testimony. Is it the 28th? Yeah. On the 9th, is it the 9th that you're one year? Oh, the 22nd, January 22nd. Okay. 20, January 22nd be one year sober for him. And if he can do it, you can do it. You can break that addiction of whatever it is, whether it be worry or alcohol or your weed or whatever it is, you know. Sugar. I'm just going to sit down. Y'all can just go on with it. (laughs) But so last week we talked about hope being kind of the standing, the the foundation that we're going to stand on. And hope, like Courtney said, is a joyful and confident expectation. And we can hope in God. And we get disappointed when we put our hope in other things. We put our hope in people or we put our hope in circumstances. Now, we hope things work out. We want things to work out. It's not improper necessarily to have hope for people, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that we should hope for anything or hope in anything but in the Lord. So your joyful and your confident expectation belongs in God, specifically in his character for him to be who he says that he is. You know, this is where Knowing the word is important. This is where having good resources where you can go through and remind yourself of who God is and who you are in him like we do all the time. 
so that you can put on that new man and actually know why you can hope in him, why you can have a confident expectation that he will be God for you. Let me ask you this, a couple questions. What do you think your life would look like if God had unhindered access to do whatever he wanted to in your life and just make you do whatever he wanted you to do, what would it look like? What would his will for you, apart from you stopping it, look like? Peace. Is that a trick question? Heaven, perfect, good. Hmm? Yeah, think about it. Let me ask you this. What if you perfectly obeyed God? What would your life look like? You'd look like Jesus, right? So let me ask you this. If you perfectly obeyed God and you did exactly what he wanted you to do all the time and he had his unhindered access into your life, would there be any fear? So hope. Put your hope in God for him to be who he is. And, you know, I, I want to tie this obedience. This is not a message on obedience, but I'm, I'm really just trying to kind of bring you to a certain mindset, right? So because so much of what we need to do is change the way that we think. I mean, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And one of the biggest things that we can do is change the way that we think about who God is and what his involvement should be in our lives. Most of you pretty much agree. You know, some of you disagree. That's fine. But that if you did everything exactly like God wanted you to do and God could just do anything in your life that he wanted to do, you'd pretty much look like Jesus, right? So why don't you? Why don't you behave that way? Why aren't you healing every person that, you, that comes to you? Why don't you know what they're thinking before they ever even try to ask you to trip you up? Why don't you know that you must needs go by this well to get this woman saved so that she can, you know what I mean? Why? Is it God's fault? Is he withholding knowledge and wisdom and information from you from, be, from living like Jesus? Because here's where you come to a theological split with some people. Some people say that everything is already preordained and everything that he has for you to do or, or everything that's happening in your life is something that he planned. But yet when you ask those people, okay, if you perfectly obeyed God, what would your life look like? It's not about obedience per se, because I want to show you what obedience actually is. It's, it's actually trust. Under the, in the Hebrew, there's no difference between the concept of trust and obey. To trust God is to obey God. To obey God is to trust God. If you are not obeying God, you are not presently trusting God. And if you aren't presently trusting God, you're most likely not going to obey. You might think that you're obeying, but it's just a legalistic effort. It's not a product. It's not obedience from the heart. You see, this is what we're after is to change the way that we think, change the way that we see ourselves, change the way that we see God and understand he has good things for us. I have the legal right to put all of my expectation in him. Because I believe that without fail, 100%, God is who he says that he is. He's always a deliverer. He's always a redeemer. He's always a, a healer. Amen. Amen? Amen? So why aren't we experiencing that? There's a disconnect in between the truth and what's going on in the reality of our worlds. And the way you bridge that gap is the renewing of the mind.
So I want to go through a few scriptures here. Romans 12, 2, just kind of a progress. A pro, a progression. <laughs> See, he even, he even helps me out from the back row. Uh, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern, do not, and be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Now, this word transformed is the exact same word used for Jesus when he was standing on the mountain and he started glowing and they saw Moses and Elijah and the guys that were with him wanted to stop and uh, build a, you know, build a church there. It's like, all right, we are the church of the glowing Jesus on the hill or something, you know. That's what we do. We see a certain facet of Jesus and we stop and we want to build a denomination there, you know. But it's like, no, this is the same word, which it says transfigured for him, but we are transfigured or transformed by obeying perfectly. Do you really believe that, though? Because don't you think that you'll get closer to God and be more like Jesus when you obey better? Or do you think that you will actually trust God with the result of obedience when you renew your mind? Which one is it? Which one comes first? Now, I'm not saying you just live like a crazy man and that sin is permissive on your way to renewing of the mind because in this moment right now, you still have the spirit of the living God within you that is seeking and trying to give you self-control. I'm telling you, self-control is a big one. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think those are three adjectives describing the same thing, good, pleasing, and perfect, not degrees of his will. There's no degree of will in any other area. It's just good, pleasing, and perfect, his will is for you. Now, his will is multifaceted, and this is not a a message about the will of God. We know that it's, you know, married to one woman, don't be getting drunk, don't be... You know, all this kind of stuff. That there, there are obedience factors to his will. But his greatest will for you is that you be a joint heir with Jesus. And he made you these great impressions. You know, like a last will and testament, right? Somebody writes something and you receive an inheritance. You receive what they have for you, what they want for you. And usually there's some type of relation there. That's, that's what... God did in his will to us in Jesus as he gave us this inheritance in Jesus, and we are joint heirs with him. Finding the will of God for your life is less about obedience and more about, am I sharing in this inheritance that Jesus has given me? And if you are rightly sharing in that inheritance, righteousness being part of that inheritance, you will trust and obey. See, but religion, man, man-centered, performance-based religion gets it backwards and says we are going to perform our way into closer acceptance to God. It's a paradox. No, it starts with mind renewal. So you have to be emotionally connected to the Word of God. You have to have an emotional relationship with Jesus. Do you hear me? We don't really want that kind of... You know, we have a hard enough time having an emotional relationship with the people that live in our house, much less somebody I can't see. <laughs> Think about it. Now, you know, there's extenuating factors and all that. Don't, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but... It, it, the, the Word of God is ineffective in the heart of someone that is not open to actually receiving it and acting on it once it inspires action. Are you with me? 
So we're moving into this moving forward series where, where see, the reason I'm kind of going through this and taking some time to get repentance and mind renewal in the right place is because for years when I would do this series, we would do a Wednesday night kind of entrepreneurial course. And we'd get to about week two or three when it was time to everybody show up with your ideas. This is what your, this is your ministry idea. This is your business idea. This is whatever it is that you want to take and move forward. And people, most people would stop and start self-reflecting, and it, was, it turned into a counseling session. <laughs> I don't mean for that to be funny. I just mean it, it revealed to me something because <laughs> when people are ready to move beyond where they currently are, you got to deal with your stuff first. And the biggest way to deal with your stuff is to realize you did. The old man is gone. I'm a new person. I have to identify as this new person to think that I can go into a new life. You have difficulty. You have emotional hang-ups. You have addictions. You have to become a different person. You know, the New Age movement actually does this pretty well, but their problem is, is they don't have the truth to draw from of what you are to become. It's just kind of open-ended, you know, I can be whatever I want to be. And, but, but for us, it's the same process of meditation and mind renewal unto the predestination path of being conformed to the image of Christ. You can look just like Jesus. And I'm not talking about, you know, big fat bank accounts. I'm just talking about you sharing in the inheritance that Jesus gave you. God made you great and precious promises so that you would be a partaker of his divine nature. That's what God wants for you. But when you have to, when you're trying to move forward, because this is what's going to happen when we get a couple of weeks down the road and we start talking about our ideas, because you all have some type of ministry within you, whether it's that baby at home in your arms or it's the entire, entire continent of Africa. You have something within you that is presently there. It's smoldering. Maybe you're acting on it sometimes. Maybe you're not. But we want to move that thing forward. Amen. I, and not from a sentence, it's not daunting. It's not, oh, this is where I've got to die and lay my life down. And now it, it, there is that, but that's actually an enjoyable process because you're having this relationship with Jesus along the way. But that's your part is the repentance, the mind renewal unto transformation. So then Jesus says something like this. You know, this, this is why we're needing to change our minds is because something like this is incredible. Matthew 19, 26. Now, in the context, you can go ahead and put it up, but in, this, in the context here, uh, he's telling them, you know, what Jesus did most of the time when he was teaching was he was teaching the law. And he did with the law what you were supposed to do with the law and use it to show people their sin and use it to show people where they fall short and where they need God. That's what he was, that's what Jesus was a master at teaching the law. And he would bring you to the end of yourself. And this is what these guys, he preached how to enter the kingdom of heaven pretty much, how to experience the kingdom of heaven. And they said, it's impossible. I mean, if, if, if that's what it takes, if it takes me giving up all my money, you know, if it takes me not even burying my loved ones and moving on, whatever it is that seems really extreme for you, whatever it is that I have to leave behind and move on, it's, it's impossible for me. And then G, I, I, this, to me, this is the resolution of the effectiveness of Jesus teaching the law. Does that make sense? Like, he teaches the law to the degree that you should come to the conclusion, I can't do this. Does that make sense? Somebody said no. Did you say yes this time? Okay, good. 
You can't do it. 1926. So then he says, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. See, to me, when I dig into meditation and I sit down, and even if I feel like I'm about to hack up a lung, I am trying to get myself to a place where I'm, I am experiencing, at least in my mind and in my emotions, what it feels like to be on the other side of that thing. Because I know God wants me on the other side of it, not because the doctrine of healing, but because he gave me an immune system. And if my immune system functions properly, he'll be glorified. We'll just leave it at that. But he is also trying to bring healing into every aspect of your life. It's just the nature of his spirit. Jesus is the perfect representation of the invisible God, and he went about doing good and healing all. Amen? Now, here's, this is a big one here. Joshua 1.8. It's interesting because law and instruction are used interchangeably in this particular passage. For us, under the new covenant, the law is instruction. The law is not what you are to engage to try to relate to God. You have been delivered from the law. The law has been fulfilled on your behalf. So when it talks about the law and meditating in it, it's not that you have to sit down and learn all the Levitical laws and figure out all the different kinds of sacrifices that you're supposed to do, and once you know that, you know, that's not what it's talking about. It's just talking about the general revealed wisdom of God, which which you can just go into the book of Proverbs and look at. Or, in my mind, when it talks about the law or his instruction, I think of things like what Jesus said here, that all things, with God, all things are possible. To me, that's an instruction on how to think. Because God focuses more on what's going on in your mind and your heart than he does in your actions. He knows your actions will change and correct themselves if you get your heart and your mind right. Amen? So this is, I love this. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Now, this is Joshua, right? Joshua is picking up the mantle of Moses, let's say. Moses is gone, and, and, and you know, there, can you imagine Joshua? It's like you see Moses killing all these giants. You see him leading all these people out of Egypt, and all these incredible miracles are happening through Moses, and all of a sudden he's like, all right, Joshua, you're the one that's going to take him in. What would you do? The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Is God's instruction in your mouth? You shall meditate in it day and night. Meditate, is, it just means to mutter. It means to think about. It means to hold in, hold in your mind, even to kind of speak out loud. Uh, meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do, so it starts with a meditation, and absolutely expects uh, action, starts with meditation, well, it starts with it in your mouth, then it, start, then it goes into the meditation of your heart, then it goes into your actions, uh, observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous." Uh-oh. What the prosperity. I knew 
for then you shall make the way, thy way prosperous, and then you shall have good, you shall have good success. Really? There's no qualification here. There's no caveat. Go read it. Joshua 1.8. If his instruction is in your mouth, and it is the meditation of your heart, and it is expressed in your actions, it will lead you to prosperity, and you will be successful. Does that sound like a guarantee to you? I mean, I'm just asking. Pull that down. I want to read it out of a little bit of a different version here. Joshua 1.8. This book of instruction shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. How many of you want success in 2018? Now, what's your definition of success? Because it's not just financial. It's emotional. It's in our behaviors. It's, it's in this lust that is, you know, God gave you lust. Lust just means desire. That's all lust means. We pervert it. But what if you're successful in your desires? What if you're successful in your mandate to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not, we're not just talking about physical things here. But he's, you know, if, if you can find one formula in the Word of God, this is it. Meditate on the Word of God, on his instruction, day and night. I, I think of Josh, Josh Owens. Is he still in Alaska? He's back. He's, he's, he walks around listening to the Bible all day long. He's probably the most even-killed person I've ever met. Just steady. Is he always like that? Just steady. Not in the middle of a game, but yeah. <laughs> he does have some personality. <laughs> I mean, and so I'm not saying, okay, now we all got to wire our ear to the Bible 24-7. That's, that's not the point. But what, what for you makes your heart come alive to the Word of God? What is it about the Word of God that causes you to get excited about it? When's the last time you were excited about reading the Bible? Or whatever it is to have the word of his instruction in your mouth. Usually, we don't do it until we're in trouble, and it's a daunting feeling. Oh, man, I better pray. This is bad. I mean, so, like, my journey, <clears throat> coming off of substance abuse, um, some of you may or may not know, I had this really strange uh, acid trip, LSD, and started hearing voices. And these voices convinced me to believe that I was dead. And, and I actually walked around for about six months believing I was dead and in hell. And everything around me was fake and everybody were just not real people. And um, I forgot what I was going to say. What was I going to say? Oh, I remember. I would, I, and I didn't know the Bible, you know. It wasn't drilled in me as a kid, but, but I figured I should go get a Bible. So I went and got a Bible. Well, actually, I didn't go get a Bible. I had read this uh, philosophy book in college, 
and I saw something in there about the book of Ezekiel. I thought, that sounds pretty cool. I'm going to go find the book of Ezekiel. So I went down to the rare bookstore in Little Five Points, and because and, I looked, and you didn't, there, this was before the internet, you know. So uh, I asked the guy behind the counter, do you guys carry the book of Ezekiel? I'm like, man, I've been looking for this thing. He looked at me, he goes, you might want to try the Bible. Okay. Sounds good. So I went and got a Bible, started reading in Genesis. That's book number, letter number one, you know, book number one. And got over to, I expected, like, this is perfection. This is the word of God. You know, and I got over to where Abraham gave his wife away. I'm thinking, I don't get it. I don't understand. What? This guy is, you promised the Messiah through him, and he's given his wife away? So I put it down. I, did, I didn't. And I think it was a year. But my journey was I just was aware of Christ. You know, I, I knew. That it's like I wasn't a believer when this whole thing started. But when I started hearing these voices, I knew they were demons. And then I knew that Jesus was real. That deep down, when you face death or you are rocked to the core of yourself, you know the truth. Nobody's got an excuse. Everybody. God has revealed himself to everybody. Amen. 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 Now, you might not know the gospel. You might not know well, all of the things that you know after being a believer, but you know there's a God, and you know you're accountable to him. Amen. Everybody on the planet knows that. Amen. That's why when you minister to people, don't get clouded by how smart they are, you know, refuting the existence of God. Don't, don't worry about that. They believe. But for me, I would run across these scriptures. Uh, oh, well, I was watching this late night preacher, and he said something about the New Testament. Read the book of John, you know. So I went and read. And, and, and then, I, then I figured out to read Psalms. And for me, Psalms, there's so many Psalms that are prophetic of the Messiah in the grave of what he went through on our behalf. There, there's just so many of them. And, and, it, and it made sense to me because it's like, man, he, he tasted death. I thought I was dead. He did that for me. So I don't, you know, it was like, I got this understanding about what he did for me before I ever went to church and before I ever really read the Bible. I knew that Jesus saved me. And when he was with me, I knew that he wasn't angry with me. I knew that it was my choices and my actions that got me to that place. But he was so tender and kind that his presence with me was my introduction to this is who God is. And, and it just stuck with me. I never, I didn't have to unlearn the, the performance-based religion is like, man, when Jesus is here, everything's okay. That was my introduction to Christianity. And so lots of times when I would face difficulties, I would go back and remember that. You know? and, and my point is, what is it that you can hold within you? Is it a scripture? And I'm not just talking about an experience that you're trying to have another experience because we're a little too focused on phenomenal Christianity where this phenomenon happens and we have all these, you know, like the sky is split and we have this vision. Well, if, if that's what causes you to know God, good luck. That's why people run to these meetings and run down for revival all the time because it's like, no, if you don't know God in your heart, you'll be chasing him your whole life. You have to have an emotional connection with God. It's the only way for this Joshua passage to be a reality. Put that up again, if you would, please, Philip. Do you believe the word of God? Do you believe that if you have this word in your mouth and you meditate it in your heart? See, to me, 
I, I, love do, I love spotting concepts and tying them to other scriptures. This is not a separate doctrine than you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is just the way it's said there. Do you see that? And there's a promise associated with this, that when you meditate on that word in your heart, you will be prosperous and you will have success. Not just material. I think material is like the last part of it. It's like it's just added to you because you are so full of God in your life, you need the material things to be a blessing. Romans 8, 6. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I think to be spiritually minded is to meditate on his instruction day and night, right? To be spiritually minded is not, well, I had a vision and I saw this room off the side of God's throne that they had some extra noses in there. And over here, there were some extra elbows and I'm not even going to explain that one. I just, if you see that, that's fine. I'm really not trying to take that experience away from you. But, but unless there's an element of the character of God expressed in Jesus alive within you, I mean, I don't care what type of experience and vision you have with God, you're not going to experience transformation. That's why you see a lot of times in these real hyper uh, gift-focused circles, such a lack of integrity and a lack of stability in the Word of God. I mean, I want miracles. I think we should be seeing more and more. I believe in it. I'm not a cessationist. I think the Holy Spirit is still active. But there's got to be an emotional... You know, I feel like this is kind of a decision point for you. What are you going to do? How bad do you want this success that God promises from his word and his instruction rolling around in that heart. How bad do you want that? Do you want it more than what you're fighting for in this life? More than what you're holding on to that keeps you from experiencing that? How bad do you want it? And, and do you believe that it's possible? See, I, I thought I was going to do it this week, but next week, it's, it, there's a lot of detail. Next week, I'm going to go into, I'm calling it the science of transformation, and I'm doing some study on this, this thing called the placebo effect. Most of you have heard of the placebo effect, but just, just the, the, the chemical things that go on inside of our body when we make choices and when we have beliefs, it changes our chemistry, and it even changes the world around us. But for today... I just want you to realize, let's demystify the idea of spiritual mindedness. It's not about having visions and hearing the audible voice of God. It's about, do I think in agreement with God's spirit? Do I think in agreement with life? And what do I know about his spirit? When you think about God's spirit, what do you think about? Power, peace, joy, the fruits of the Spirit, yeah. Presence within. All that's good. I, when, I, when God asked me this, because, you know, basically I preach to you this conversation that I have all week long with God, these questions that come out, they're things that, he, that he's asked me. I'm like, ooh, that's a good question. I don't think about that. For me, it went to, okay, well, let's make it practical. The fruits of the Spirit. 
To be spiritually minded is life and peace. What are the fruits of the Spirit? And you go through the fruits of the Spirit. And so then this little gem popped out because I've spent some time with some people. Uh, I won't say when, but just to make it clear, let me find this. Okay. Spiritual thinking is to have an expectation of transformation. How you experience transformation is meditate on the Word of God. This is not trust. If you want me to have self-control, God, you'll give it to me. God, I've been waiting on you to change my heart, and you haven't done it yet, so therefore it's your fault that my life stinks. (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was wrong when he said that, just so you know. Well, that's a whole other message. but, But think about that. Is that, your, is that how you feel? It's like, God, well, if you wanted me to change, you just change me. You're in control. No, he gave you dominion over this planet, and you have dominion over your heart and mind. But it's a paradox because you can make that shift to give him sovereign reign in your heart and in your mind, and then you will just follow him, and it will lead you into life and success. Why do you experience success when you meditate on his, when you have his word in your mouth, you meditate on his, with his instruction, and you act accordingly. Why does that bring blessing and prosperity? You're able to hear him and partner with him and follow him. You sure? You sure it's not because there, there you go. You did Joshua 1.8. Good job. Here you go. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Like we think that he's not going to give us anything until we obey r- rightly. Well, and see, that's the thing. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You get on the wavelength of heaven. You're here. You're prophesying, girl, because that's what I'm talking about next week. Think at the frequency of heaven. Ooh, I, just, it's, I want to tell you about, I want to tell you real quick. Y'all want to hear it just real quick. Like when you, certain states of mind produce repetitive patterns of frequency in your brain, and they're measurable to the point where you can do brain scans and see different frequencies and different things going on, and different frames of mind have uh, frequency patterns reflected in the scans, and you recognize things in this world that match the frequency that you're thinking on. In other words, if you have lust and you were, for some reason, your first sexual experience was abuse or someone exposed you to something that was an unhealthy expression and that becomes your programmed within you, that this is my, when, I, when this desire comes up, I express it this way, as unhealthy as it is, and as much as you hate it, your mind thinks that way, and so you're going to be, you're going to gravitate toward those. I'm not talking about law of attraction. I'm talking about it's like your your mind filters what you what options you see, and then you run these patterns, and afterward you're like, oh man, I did that again. Did that again. That's drinking. That's you know the whole list of stuff. Addiction, and not just addiction, but repetitive carnal thinking. 
So if we think on the frequency of heaven, we recognize the opportunities that heaven is trying to bring to us in this life. Now, that, that, that's a little intangible. There's some science to that that I'll get to next week. But the thing is, is that to be spiritually minded is not just mystical out here and it's not practical. To be spiritually minded is I expect the fruits of the Spirit to be birthed within me. Now, you can take the time to meditate and see yourself on the other side of that thing that you're struggling with. What does it feel like to be free from it? You're sending signals back to your body that will actually rearrange your biochemistry to change your physical desires. You can experience real transformation. You don't have to struggle the rest of your life. And it's easier than you think. But you've got to have an emotional relationship with the Word of God. You have to be emotionally connected. As Jesus says in John 15, 4, abide in me. And I, as I abide in you, that's the only way to bear fruit, abide in him. Amen. Most of us think that we don't abide in him unless we are properly behaving and obeying. It's not about your performance. It's about what's going on in your heart and your mind. So what does that look like for you this week? You know, because eventually we're going to get to an area where there's a dream in our heart that we want to move forward. But right now we got some stuff we got to deal with. How are you going to deal with it? Where, what do you, how do you, can, I had like four different questions and they all came out. What, what are you going to do? How does it work for you to emotionally engage the word of God? Do you know it well enough to find something in it that, that is like, man, this is, this brings me hope. This is God. This brings me hope. Hope that I don't have to fight this thing for the rest of my life. I don't have to be this person because that person is dead. I can overcome. And, and, and when you start thinking that way, it's not just magic that floats down out of heaven that makes your life all better. There are actual processes that go on and a real transformation happens. Amen. A real shift, a real psychological break from your old dead man to this new man as you put on Christ as you abide in him, as you allow, as you, as you have his word in your mouth and in your heart. It's, it's, it's one thing to read it and know it. It's another thing to feel it. It's another thing to, to let it breathe hope within you. What, breathes, what brings hope to you? A confident expectation with the word. Or just the character of God, you know, an aspect of God that's consistent. You know, I love to give this homework assignment. Read the book of John and don't try to sort out doctrine. Just watch how Jesus treated people. And then realize that Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. This is how God would treat people. There's, I saw this meme going around, which is basically just a picture with words on it on the Internet. And it was two Jesuses. Because we kind of have this idea that God is... You know, he's kind of the disciplinarian, and Jesus is the happy one, right? <laughs> but it was two Jesuses, and they were just sitting there having a ball. Both, you ever seen the picture where Jesus has got his head thrown back and he's laughing? Yeah. Both of them were doing that, and it said, what if God was like Jesus? <laughs> Think about it, though. You know, what brings you joy out of the Word of God? What inspires hope within you? 
me that I can stand up and preach and grace will come alive and I won't leave a lung laying on the stage. I haven't caught you. I coughed all night. Jesus. I don't think I want to stop preaching because I don't want to start coughing again. I'm just going to believe that I'm healed. <laughs> it came in my mouth, didn't it? You big dummy. I want you to really seriously think about this. How are you going to emotionally experience the Word of God this week? What is it that you're going to go in there and find? Take some of these passages, whatever it is. Find an area in your life. Go find a promise that's associated with the area that you want to move forward in. Don't focus on the fact that you keep failing. Try to experience inwardly what it feels like to be on the other side of it. Your brain and your heart don't know the difference between an imagined event and a real thing. So if you can experience it in your mind and in your heart emotionally before you get there, or even have a plan of action to resist the temptation when you find yourself in that position, your, your, your physical desires will match the experience that you had in the victory of that thing. Does that make sense? You meditate and you see, you feel the victory before you get there. It starts to reprogram your whole body and your desires and you start feeling and wanting different things. And that's not just behavior modification. We're not just talking about psychological change and meditation. We're talking about taking the Bible and applying it. That you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you meditate on it day and night and you will be prosperous and you will be successful. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your character. Thank you for the integrity of your word, that it's true, that we can stand on it, we can place. Just do, do something right now in your, in your heart. You know, God gave you an imagination for a reason. Let's use it right now. And just see yourself taking whatever little hope that you have and put it in God. My Father, my God, I am placing all of my expectation in you. I am placing my roots in you to be nourished and to be fed and strengthened by you. I trust you, Lord. I trust that you want to glorify yourself through me so that I am prosperous and successful as I hold your word instruction in my mouth and in my heart and meditate on it day and night. And it, it's an enjoyable process, God. Just go ahead and help us understand and realize that it's an enjoyable process to meditate on your word, to meditate on your instruction, not to, to identify. We're not going to use the law. We're going to use your wisdom. The law reveals sin. We don't want to meditate on your law to point us to sin we want to meditate on your wisdom and your truth to reveal to us this new nature that we have inside of us. If we feel guilt and shame, we acknowledge it, we repent, we turn away from it, but we let the true nature of who we now are in you come forward. I step into who I am in you. And just one more time, I place all my hope in you, Jesus. Amen.